Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from our earlier years, sometimes single stories, sometimes whole episodes. Keep in mind that years ago, people might have worded things differently than they would today. As always, the title of the whole series, Risk, is itself a content warning. This week, a story that I told on the podcast in December of 2020, here I am now with a story we call The Allison Family Christmas Tree Hunt. One thing I love about Christmas is that it reminds us to cherish memories. It reminds us how good for the soul it can be to just take the time to remember some of the better times you've had. But also when it comes to my family, it reminds me that memories aren't always that accurate. Well, it was absolutely my parents that instilled in me that love of telling stories about old memories. And, you know, they always just loved old things with sentimental value. Old buildings, old art and music, old traditions. You know, when I would come home from NYU, 
when I was in college, it always felt so grounding to come back home and see the place once again all done up in these like Renaissance era and Victorian era decorations, each one with a story behind it. And then I've talked on the podcast before about how in the 60s and 70s, my dad was into the civil rights movement. And in the 70s, he became very curious, very interested about the black power movement. And one year he got this Christmas tree ornament, which was a black Santa with a raised fist. And on the bottom it said, with a big exclamation point, black is beautiful. And so that was always hanging on the tree. I remember around about like 1990 or something like that, a friend came over and said, that ornament is interesting. And I said, yeah, it was the 70s. Then there was a year when my mom was obsessed with the show Little House on the Prairie. And this year she went to various thrift stores around town and then sewed together for everyone in the family. This is five children in the family. Pioneer era clothes so that we could take a sepia toned family portrait. And I remember her saying, Don't smile, kids. Pretend somebody died. So they weren't pretentious about celebrating things of the past. They were creative about it. So there's a story in my family that goes like this. Or at least this is the way it goes in my brain. In 1970, when I wasn't yet one year old, the family was gathered around the television set in the living room to watch A Charlie Brown Christmas, when my father got an idea. Now, if you remember, in the TV special, Charlie Brown complains that Christmas has become too modern and too commercialized, because everyone's getting fake Christmas trees. And Dad, he was so struck by that. He said, damn it, Charlie Brown is right. You know what? Let's stop getting our Christmas trees from a parking lot behind the mall. Let's go into the heart of the country, into the great American wilderness, to chop down a tree with our own bare hands. And my mom said, Paul, I I think that's a federal crime. And it was. So dad started researching about the great American wilderness and discovered that if we took a two and a half hour drive from Ohio into Indiana, he heard that there was an old farmer who lived up on a mountain who would let people chop down his trees. You could cut them down yourself. So perfect. Now, We were also a very Catholic family, a very Catholic family. And dad learned that going back to like medieval times, you really are supposed to bless the tree. So dad said, oh man, we're going to need a priest. But dad had gone to grade school with a buddy who happened to be almost identical looking to dad and who had become a priest, Father Harry. 
who was hairy, like Dad. Two giant men with giant bellies and big bushy red beards. So Dad called the church and said, Harry, here's the plan. It's going to be you and my family. You're going to lead us through the first half of a Catholic mass in our living room. Then we're going to get in the car and put on an eight-track tape of Handel's Messiah while we ride out to this mountain a few hours away and chop down a tree. And then we'll bring the tree back, do the second part of the mass in the living room, and then we'll have lasagna. And that's exactly what we did. <laughs> and everyone thought it was so great that that's exactly how we did it every year for 30 years. But every year, mom or dad would be talking to some other family and be like, oh my God, we would love to have you come along. So that by the time I was in junior high, there were way too many people for the living room that people were just all over the house. I remember one year where there were people going up the stairs to the second floor of the house so that, you know, Father Harry would have to be shouting <laughs> the mass throughout the entire house. A lot of the kids from other families who were attending this, they didn't get all of this. I mean, it's bizarre Allison family tradition. By far and away, the least popular thing was doing the second half of the Mass after this epic day of traveling and being outdoors and everything. Everyone comes home exhausted. It was often snowing and all that sort of thing. But my mom loved that we split a Mass in half that way because then if any of us was misbehaving on the car ride, up on the mountain, whatever it was, she could say, we are in the middle of a Mass. And that was generally accepted as, oh, shoot, yeah, she's right. But us Allison kids would always reassure any other kids who were along for the day, listen, at the end of the day, it's all going to be worth it because the lasagna. Then we'd drive out to Indiana listening to Handel's Messiah, and we'd just be a convoy of station wagon after station wagon after station wagon, you know, heading out into the great American wilderness. But most years, there was some sort of fiasco. And these, these are the memories that my family loves to pour over nowadays. For one thing, my dad was just obsessed with getting the biggest tree possible, and nine out of ten times, we couldn't get the goddamn thing in the house. You know, we would have to chop the thing up in order to get it in. I remember there was a year where the top of the tree had to be chopped off so that it kind of looked like maybe it was going through the ceiling into the next floor of the house and the branches reaching into other rooms. <laughs> one year, one of these monstrosities on the car ride home, you know, somewhere on the interstate, one of these trees fell off 
the roof of our orange VW van and nearly decapitated Father Harry driving in the car right behind us. But whenever we go over these memories, Dad would always say, no, no, no. It was Harry's tree that almost decapitated me. But no one really remembered because, you know, for one thing, they looked the same anyway. Another year, that orange VW van, I don't know what happened. The transmission broke or something like that, and we had to make the drive home going like 10 miles an hour. That might have also been the year that the Messiah tape busted on us as well. And the best we could find to replace it was George Harrison, My Sweet Lord. But I remember falling in love with that song that day. Another year, one of the Allison boys got lost on the mountain. And there were hours spent desperately searching for the missing boy. But my family can never agree whether it was Peter or David or me. And another year, one of the Allison girls was walking on a frozen pond up on the mountain and fell through the ice into the water and had to be rescued. But again, the family can't get on the same page about it. No one can agree whether it was Mia or Becca or me. But the one word that always comes up when the family reminisces about the old Christmas tree hunt is the verb chat. Someone will say, those were the greatest memories, those Allison family Christmas tree hunts. I'll never forget them. Wasn't it Becca that shat on Dad's lap on the car ride up one year and we were all dying? Someone else will say, oh yeah, unforgettable. But no, I thought it was Kevin who shat on Mom's lap on the car ride back. Someone else will say, no, I remember it like it was yesterday, but I thought it was Mia who shat on David's lap. So we do cherish the memories, even if we can never come to a consensus on the details. But we do know that one of the years, or some of the years, or all of the years, one of us, or some of us, or all of us, shat in each other's laps. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.